series called Real Life Horror Story, and I know for me, I don't know about you, I've had some horror stories in my life. You know, I, I found myself uh, as a high school student wanting love, wanting to be accepted, and I saw what I thought, this is what I want, this is what I want to happen, and I actually even prayed for that. I said, God, this is what I want, will you please work this out, make this happen for me. And I got all kinds of warning signs, maybe God saying, this is not my plan, this isn't what I want for you, and I, yeah, guess what I did? I was like, uh, that's what I want, so let's go at work of this, okay, let's see if we can work this out. And he, I think, eventually said, I'm just, okay, I'll let you do what you want to do. If that's what you're going to do, that's what you're going to do. I'll let you do what you're going to do. See what's going to happen with what you're going to do. And it wasn't so good. Didn't turn out so great. And then I finally got my life on track. You know, I, I knew God was calling me to be uh, part of ministry and to, to serve him vocationally for my job, my career. Um, I did that. Uh, 17 years, I was a youth minister. I worked with teenagers for 17 years. That's why I look so youthful today. Not really, right? I think that's why I look the way I do today. Youth ministry was tough. It's hard on you. 17 years, I loved every minute of it. I was following God. Then I went into church planting and the church starting, and I, I did that, and I, I've done so many things. But even in the midst of that, <clears throat> chokes me up when I talk about it, because even in the midst of that, I still had moments where I was doing what I wanted to do because that's what I wanted to do regardless of what God said. And that was reflected in my life, relationship, you know, and my family. It was reflected in uh, even my relationship to myself and the way I talked to myself. And, and I, it, it just, all that was reflected there. Those were all things, decisions I was making, paths I was going down. And then you turn around and you look at your life sometime and you say, how did I end up here? How did I end up in this with this being my, how did I end up here? And I had those moments in my life. Maybe you've had moments like that in your life as well. Now, you know, maybe, maybe you were dating and all things were great and rosy and maybe you got married and, and you said your vows and you meant those vows. You meant every word of it. And you said, I'm, I'm in this forever. I'm, this is me. This is my life. I love you. We'll love each other for always and forever. And the music was playing in the background as you rode away on your horses. It was great. And then years later, after you, you've been married, and then maybe you have children, and your house grew, and things happen, and, and, and you went to sleep one night, and you were with the person who was the best, and then you woke up, and you looked at them in the morning, and it's like, they're the beast. What has happened to my life? What has happened? Maybe you've had moments like that. Maybe your moments like that aren't related to your marriage. Maybe it's your job. Maybe, maybe you got promoted and maybe you, you were offered a, a raise and they changed you, put you in a new department. And once you got to that department, maybe you realize, oh my word, how, why did I do that? Why did I, why did I choose that? Because things are so much worse now. Maybe for you, maybe you're looking and you like, it's like there's what, 11, like 11 Mondays until Christmas, right? Something like that. And maybe you're saying, this is Christmas and I, I haven't even finished paying for Christmas last year. And you're trying to figure out how am I going to make this all work? Or maybe for you, maybe you're still looking for love and you're looking for that person and you're ready to ride off into the sunset, but maybe it just feels like you just keep getting the same flat tire in a relationship over and over and over again. 
Maybe something happened to you in your social life. Maybe for you, maybe uh, you, on your social life, maybe it started out like this, just kind of on the weekends and having fun and maybe dr- going drinking with the buddies. And then maybe, maybe that turned into, well, I, I need a drink when I get home from work to take the edge off. And then maybe it went from that eventually to this where, where you drink to unwind. And then maybe you just never really unwind until you pass out. And maybe when you start drinking, you can't stop until it ends with you passing out. Maybe for you, your family's growing, and maybe you're looking around and you say, hey, we need to go get a bigger house, and you go get a bigger house, but then you realize after you're in a bigger house that it also comes with a bigger yard that has to be taken care of, and then there's also, because of that, there's the bigger house, bigger utilities, bigger bills, and then your family's growing, and maybe you get a car for everybody, and with that, then it's multiple, now if there's four, there were two cars, and now we have two teenagers, two more cars, there's four cars, so there's four times the flat tires, there's four times the oil changes, there's four times the breakdowns, there's four times the insurance, and then your teenager brings home a ticket, and now it's even more times, more times, four times the insurance, and you're saying, how are we going to get through all of this? Maybe for you, you hurt your back at work. You hurt your back somewhere, and then the doctor gives you a prescription, and you take the prescription, but then maybe somehow slowly you begin to take those prescription meds not as they're prescribed. And maybe you have found yourself at times trying to figure out how to get more prescriptions, and maybe you've found yourself kind of rough, shuffling through a friend's medicine cabinet. Maybe you're taking prescription meds that aren't even yours, not even in your name. Maybe you cannot get through your day now without those medications and you're not taking them according to how they've been prescribed. And maybe you look at your life and you say, how did I end up here? We have so many different things in our lives. So many different things that we could look at and we could say, you know what? I am living my own personal horror story. And maybe it involves people or relationships or jobs or homes or cars. Maybe even sometimes it's just ourselves. But we might be asking, why is this happening? How long is this going to last? And then we end it with God. Why me? Why me? Well, here's the good news, because I know that is a lot of bad news. The good news is this. You are not alone. You're not alone. Most every single person who has ever lived at some point lives their own personal horror story. And we're going to be looking in God's Word because He does not try to hide this mess. He does not try to pack this junk up in the trunk. He lets it out there for everybody to see. And we're going to take a peek at one of these. Let me kind of tell you where we are in this story. We are talking about this whole nation that God says, this is my nation, Israel. And Israel has a king, their first king ever, but they have a king. And there's these moments where he has great, amazing victories, huge victories, huge battles. And the nation is like, yes, we rock Israel, Israel. I mean, they, they love their nation and they love their king, high times. But then they also have some stinky times, some times that aren't so great. I, I mean... There was this one time when they were facing a big battle, a big army, and their army was not as big, but they were facing a giant army. And King Saul was like, oh, we got to do something. We need to sacrifice. We need to have God on our side on this one. And the priest was a little bit late. 
at least according to the king. And so he was like, I'm not going to wait any longer. I, I just, we need to get the sacrifice done. So God's going to be on our side and we can go out and we can do what we need to do. So he does the king himself, not supposed to do this, but he does all the sacrifices himself. And God is like, what, 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 what's, why are you doing this, bro? And he's like, I, we want you on our side. And he's like, that's not the way it works. And I told you how it works. That's not how it works. And he did it. And so things did not go so well after that. It was kind of bad. Later on in the story, this king gets so mad at the priest, so angry at all the priests, he, he tells his men, go kill all the priests, just go kill them. And his men wouldn't do it. So then he, the king turns to one, a foreigner who is in their, their kingdom, in their land, and he says, you go get an army, you go kill them all, go kill them. And that, that guy, go, he goes. And in this one moment, he kills like 80 priests. And I mean, it's like, it's a bloody bloody mess. It's a murderous, bloody mess. Bodies piling up and they're priests. They're God's priests that the king had murdered. It is ugly. And that is a real life for them, a real life horror story. And word travels all throughout the land, what's going on all throughout the Israelites and the people. You can just imagine them looking around and seeing what's happening. And it was just saying, God, why, why would you allow this here? What is going on? This this is our king, God. You sent us this guy. Why? Why would you allow this to happen? This is not what we expected. This is not what we wanted. This is not what we wanted, God. Why? So now let's hit pause on this story and let's back up and let's go a little bit to the past and see what the backstory is that led up to this real life horror story. So here's what's happening. We're going backwards. Israel, God's nation, does not have a king. In fact, actually they do. God is their king. God is the king. And so God has a spokesperson. He has a prophet who happens to also be a priest who is also what they call a judge. And that's what a king would do, would be judge the nation. This prophet, this prophet, priest, judge does all of that. His name is Samuel. Samuel is the guy and he represents God. He goes and talks to God. God tells him what to do and he brings it to the people. God is their king and here's what happens. 1 Samuel chapter 8, we're going to start with verse number 1. As Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges over Israel. Now I'm going to skip a couple verses here and describe what happens. His sons, they were a bunch of goobers. I mean, they were just goobers. They were judging Israel, but they were rotten. They were spoiled. They were cheats. They cheated the people. I mean, they were just horrible leaders horrible. And the people got angry. And they, they went and they had a meeting with Samuel. They were like, Samuel, what is going on? We don't like this. Your sons are horrible. We don't want this anymore. You're too old for this job. We want you to give us a king. And here's how they word that. Uh, let's see. Uh, we're going to go down to verse number five. Verse five, he said, they said, look, they told him, you are now old and your sons are not like you. I mean, they are horrible, they're saying. And they say, give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. Now, here's the deal. You know, God had promised the nation of Israel a king. He said, you're going to have a king. Someday I'm going to give you a king. He promised that all the way back, if you look in the book of Genesis, 
in the first book of the Bible, God has already promised them a king in Genesis. And then he goes on to tell them in the book of Ruth what the bloodline of that king will be, who that king will be. That's pretty awesome. He tells them who it's going to be. And then he's going on to say, this king, I'm going to give you something really exciting through this king kingdom. Um, this bloodline is it's going to contain a Messiah, a redeemer inside that bloodline. He goes on in verse 6. Let's look at verse 6 here. Samuel was displeased with their request, and he went to the Lord for guidance. Verse 7. Here's what God said. Do everything that they say to you, the Lord replied, for it is me, God, they're rejecting, not you, Samuel, not you, it's me. They don't want me, God, they don't want me to be their king any longer. You see, God had a plan for them to have a king. In fact, the that bloodline of his plan was going to contain the Redeemer, who is Jesus. He said, I've got a plan. You're going to have a king. It's for Israel. It's going to happen. It was part of God's plan the whole time. He had a very specific plan, and that plan had a very specific time that it was going to start. And here's the important thing, though. But this time, right now, that was not the time. That was not the plan. Verse 8. Ever since, God is speaking again. He said, ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they are giving you the same treatment, he said. Verse 9, do as they ask, God said, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. And that's what Samuel did. He went and he warned him. He said, if you get a king, he's going to rule over you. He's going to take your sons and put them in a battle. He's going to take money from you for taxes and build his kingdom. He said, that's what's coming. It's not going to be all roses and good stuff. It's going to be difficult. He warned them. But here's what happened now. Verse number 19. But the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we don't care, they said. Even so... Even so, we still want a king, verse 20. We want to be like the other nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. Verse 21, so Samuel repeated to the Lord what the people said. And here's what God said, verse 22. He replied, do as they say, give them a king. Then Samuel, he agreed, and he sent the people home. So basically, he said, you want a king? Israel, you, you want a king? Okay, okay. You're going to get a king. All right? You're going to get a king. You're going to get exactly what you've asked for. You've asked for a king. You're going to get a king. Verse 17. Later, this is of chapter 10 now. Later, Samuel called all the people of Israel to meet before the Lord. Now look, look at verse 18. And he said this. This is what the Lord God of Israel has declared. He said, I brought you out of Egypt and I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all the nations that were oppressing you. Verse 19. But though, but though I have rescued you from your misery and distress, you, on the other hand, you have rejected your God today and have said, no, we want a king instead. Now, therefore... Present yourselves before the Lord by tribes and clans. He said, all right, you want a king? Then everybody show up. Everybody. Present yourselves tribe by tribe, clan by clan, family by family before the Lord, and God is going to pick your king. Here's how it goes down, verse 20. So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel, 
Israel before the Lord. And the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. So it was like they drew straws. Oh, Benjamin tribe, you're it. And then they took the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord. And then they were drawn straws there. And guess what? They picked one single family from, from that. And then from that one single family, they picked one person out of the family. And here it was. It says, uh, this is in verse 20, 21, towards the end. And finally, Saul son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. He was nowhere to be found. The entire nation of Israel was present, and they were accounted for. Everyone, every single one was there, except the one who had been chosen as king. They couldn't find him. I mean, he was AWOL. He was gone. No one, in fact, no one knew. No one knew except God. And so they were like, God, God, where, where is Saul? And God said, shh. This is in verse 22. Shh. They said, where is he? And God replied, he's hiding. He's hiding among the baggage. He was hiding because he had been chosen king of all of Israel, the first king of all of Israel, and he was scared to death. Where's Saul? I don't know. God said he's behind the bags. Maybe it's behind the one that's shaking. Saul, is that you? No. Saul? Uh-uh. I'm Bob. Saul? Yeah? Saul, you've been chosen as king. You might want to come out of the luggage. Saul comes out of the baggage. And here's what happens. Verse 23. So they found him. And they brought him out. And he stood head and shoulders above everyone else. I mean, he looked like a king now that he was, you know, out of the baggage. He looked like a king. And then Samuel said to all the people, this man, this is the one the Lord has chosen as your king. Now, there's no one in Israel like him. And all the people shouted, Long live the king! So, Israel, you want a king? You want a king? Okay, I'll give you a king. I mean, you're asking, you're, let me be clear, you're asking me for a king. All right, I'll give you exactly what you asked for. Here's Saul. Now, this is so very interesting for so many reasons. This is a little crazy. 
God gives them Saul as a king. This tall, this handsome man pulled from the luggage, standing head and shoulders above everyone else, Saul, his name, this is so interesting, the name Saul in Hebrew, it means, literally, it means asked for. <laughs> this, is, this is one funny God we have here humorous God, because they were asking for and begging for a king, and God is like, okay, 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 I'm going to give you what you asked for. Here's your king. His name is asked for. You asked for him. Here's asked for. There's your king. King asked for. Do you understand every single time they heard his name, they were reminded, this is King Saul, king asked for. This is the king you asked for. You asked for him. Here, here he is. This is exactly what you asked. This was not my plan. This is your plan. You asked for him. This is your plan. There you go. I mean, every single time they heard his name, they were reminded they asked for him as a king. They asked for a king, and here's asked for. Every single time. King Saul, here's king asked for. Every single time he made a bad decision, and he's not unlike you and me. I've had plenty of bad decisions in my life, and he had as many as well. And every single time he made a bad decision, wow, the people were reminded. It was King Saul that did that. Wait a minute. King asked for. The king we asked for. We, we asked for it. When you pulled him out of the baggage, there you go, you asked for it. There he is, the king you asked for. Now go back to the story we shared. The king who didn't wait on the priest and made the sacrifice himself, even though God said, don't do that, and he did it anyway. And then the people, all these bad things start happening. The people say, what's going on? And God's like, it's King Saul. King, ask for, it's what you asked for. Don't blame me. You asked for it. That's king asked for. And then when he murdered all of those priests, bodies piling up, bloody, a bloody mess, and the people saying, what is going on? God, where are you in all of this mess? Why are you allowing this to happen to your nation, to your people? Why God? Why God? Why God? And he would say, hey, guy, whoa, 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 whoa. That's the king you asked for. You ask for it. You begged for it. You wouldn't let up. You ask and ask and ask, and you wouldn't let up. So I just gave you what you asked for. You asked for it. Don't blame me. Don't blame me. God could say, this is on you. You asked for it. Now, here's the truth in all of that. A tough truth for the Israelites. Listen to this. Everything we do, and that includes every decision that we make, everything that we do is a path leading somewhere we ask to go. Everything we do is a path leading somewhere we have asked to go. And now that's true for Israel in this moment. That's what they ask for. And God gave them literally ask for what they ask for.
And now for us, that's a hard truth too. Because if we look honestly at some of the parts of our lives, not all, just some of the parts of our lives, some of our real life horror stories, not all of them, but some of them, we are living because we ask for. We ask for it. Because everything that we do is a path leading somewhere we have asked to go. Now, very, listen very carefully. Don't, don't miss this. I'm not talking about those times in your life where bad things happen to good people. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about those times in your life where someone else's bad behavior or their decisions were thrust upon you and you had no warning or no, no way of knowing that that was coming. I'm, I'm not talking about those life events that you go through that take place that was someone else's decision and it led to something horrible. Someone, for instance, maybe someone never ever smoked. They were never a smoker, but yet they show up at the doctor and the doctor says, you have lung cancer. I'm not talking about a situation like that. I'm not, I'm not talking about someone who leaves their house to go run some errands and then they come across an intersection and someone from another vehicle, another way, someone else causes an accident. You had no way of knowing that was coming, that, that led to that horrible tragedy in your life. I'm not talking about a moment like that. No, I'm not talking about that time when you had no warning. You had no direct part of what was going on. I'm talking rather about a decision that we have made, a, a path that we have walked down that was leading away from God. And in that scenario, everything we do is a path leading somewhere we have asked to go. Let me give you an example. You see, God tells us, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, God tells us, he says, don't be unequally yoked. Now listen, that, that is not speaking about being in a, a relationship with, with someone from another culture. That's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about being in a relationship with someone that's not the same skin color as you. No, it has nothing to do with that at all. You know what that is talking about? When God says, don't be unequally yoked, he's saying this, don't be in a relationship, a, a, a dating a relationship with someone who is not pursuing and loving Jesus who's not living a life that's pursuing him. Don't be in that dating relationship. But then, then maybe, just maybe that person, maybe they stole your heart. Maybe you allowed your heart to be stolen. You gave it to them. You gave them your heart and they're not pursuing Jesus. And maybe you're thinking these thoughts, it'll be okay because they love me. I want to be loved and they love me. And maybe you say, it'll be okay because I, I, they, they love me and, and after all, I can be a good influence. I can encourage them. I can get them to go to church. I can get them into church with me and we can follow Jesus together. We can do that later. I'll change them. And guess what happens? You wake up one day, years down the road, and you say, oh, uh-oh, what have I done? What have I done? And God has only to say, you, you ask for it. 
I tried to warn you. I tried to warn you. With my words, I tried to warn you, but you would not listen. Maybe it's another instance. Maybe, you know, God's word tells us that the love of money, and and not money, money money is nothing. Money is neutral. Money is neither good. Money is neither bad. It's neutral. God says it's the love of, of money that is the root of all kinds of evil the love of money and God warns us and says don't love your money don't love your things and you're saying but God I do I love you so much God I can have other things I love you and so then we work hard and we know, ah, oh, we work hard. We, I, we want to have some fun. And so we go buy some things. We go buy some things to play with. And by the way, we are the only country, one of the few countries in the world that even gets to talk about having play things for adults to go play. Most of the world is busy just trying to survive and eat. We have the luxury to get to go play. And so we buy some things, we get to play. And then we realize, you know what? I have to work Monday through Friday hard, really hard, all week long. I have to work hard to pay for those things. I only have like a Saturday, maybe Sunday, just two days a week to get to play with those things. And so we begin to go play with those things on Saturday and Sunday. And before long, we slowly drift away from God and from His teaching and from His Word because we're playing with the things that we only have two days to play with because we've got to go back to work on Monday through Friday to pay for those things so we can play with them. And before we know it, we have slowly taken a path away from God. And here's what we have done. We have taken our devotion that we have set aside to do corporately together on Sunday, and we've taken that devotion and we've given it to those things. And God said... Don't love those things. But slowly we begin loving those things more than we love God. We begin serving those things more than we serve God. We make a way for those things more than we ever make a way for us to be with God. And we escort our families down a path away from God. And then as it happens, life happens. Things hurt in life. And then we look around and we say, where is God? But we are the very ones who have escorted ourselves and our families away from God. And God says, I tried to warn you. I tried to stop you. I tried to warn you. I told you if you love those things, if you love those things, it's the root of all kinds of evil. I tried to warn you. I tried to stop you. But you wouldn't listen. You asked for it. I'm sorry you landed where you landed. I tried to warn you so your heart would not get stolen away. But you wouldn't listen. You know, whatever road you have walked down towards an addiction, it doesn't matter what the source of the addiction is. I mean, it can be addiction to food, it can be addiction to porn, it can be a sexual addiction, it can be alcohol or drugs or prescription drugs. It does not matter the source. Whatever road we have walked down towards an addiction, God tried to warn us long before it ever became a problem, but we wouldn't listen. We kept walking toward it. We wouldn't stop. 
And then at some point we look at our lives and we look around and we say, look what happened. Look what I've lost. Look what I have done to my family. Look what I've done to the relationships in my life. Look what I've done to my health. Look what I've ended up with. God, why would you allow this to happen? And God has only to say, I tried to warn you. I tried to steer you toward my path, but you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't stop. You just kept going. You demanded to keep going. We look at our lives and we look at the paths that have led us away from God. And if we're honest, we realize that God gave us all the signs we needed, but we just demanded our way. And it led us to hurt ourselves and to hurt the people we love. And at the end of the path, we cried out, why, God, why did this happen? Why me? And God has only to say, I gave you a way out. I warned you in my word, but you wouldn't listen. You asked for it. I tried to show you my plan, but you wouldn't listen. You demanded your own way. You asked for it because every single thing that we do, every action that we take is leading somewhere we have asked to go. And so that is where we went and that is where we landed. But here's the reality. It doesn't have to end that way. You see, you can stop before you ever get down that path. You can stop. Listen to God's words of wisdom as he says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 26. He says, mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. You say, that's great advice for those who have not yet gone very far down the path. But Harley, what about me? Because I am at the end of that path now. I am way down that path right now. What if I am not on the safe path right now? What do I do now? And I simply have just a few words as we end to encourage you. Here's what you can do now, because I have done this as well. This is truth. This has worked in my life. It'll work in your life. I promise. The first thing is this. We have to repent, which simply means we have to turn away from that path we have chosen and that we have demanded. We turn away from that path and we run toward God and his path. We turn away from the one we've been on and we run toward God and his path. Now you say, okay, that's great advice. I want to do that. How do I do that, Harley? How do I do that? And here, let me give you some help. Here's something you can do this week. Here's the first thing. Every single day, you need to get into God's word. Take his word, even if it's just a paragraph at a time, take his words and put those words into your life for that morning. I don't mean just go read words on a page. Take those words in that paragraph, understand them word by word, what they mean, and bring them into your life. Bring his word into your life. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Talk to God every single day during your day, throughout the day. It's called prayer. Talk to God. Bring his words into your life, a paragraph at a time. Understand the whole thing. Bring it in deeply. And you can, I would even encourage you to begin to memorize some of those. 
And then talk to God throughout your day. That's called prayer. Bringing His Word into your heart and talking to God throughout your day. Today as you leave, we're going to send you home with a Bible verse. If you're listening to us on Facebook Live, we're going to put this on our Facebook page and you can copy it from there. But if you're here with us this morning, we're going to send you home with this. It's on the end of the rows as you go, not the rows, the, the partition that you have to go around on each side to get out of the theater. Grab one of these and take it with you. And this is a verse, would be a great verse to bring down into your life. We've got the bottom line today on there, and we've got that verse. Bring God's Word into your life, and then talk to God throughout your day. That is how you turn from your path, and you begin to run towards His. And then I would say this to you. Continue attending Stuttgart Harvest Church. Continue being a part of the church family. And then I would add to that, serve with us on Sundays. That is so important. It's not because we desperately need you to be serving. It's because you desperately need to be serving. That's why we ask you to serve with us. And here's the next thing. Stay involved in your small group. And if you're not in a small group in the spring, we're going to have an opportunity for, for groups to be open again. If you get in a group, you can do that this spring. But until then, that's even more of a reason to make sure you're serving with us on Sundays because you're around a smaller group of people who can encourage you and speak life into your life. So what do we do now? Take God's word and place it into your life every single day. Talk to God throughout the day. It's called prayer. Stay involved in Stuttgart Harvest Church. Get into a small group. Serve with us. Get in a small group. These are the things that will help you run towards God's path for your life. We have a desire to see your life transform. As my life is in the process of transforming, I know your life can as well. And here's the thing. This, this, this bottom line today works against us because everything we do is a path leading somewhere we have asked to go. But this also works for us because if you change your path, every single thing you do is also a path leading you somewhere you've asked to go. And if you are asking to follow Jesus, your life is leading, headed towards a brand new path, new experiences, new environments for your soul. It can happen right now. Let's pray. God, we recognize and realize that everything we do is a path leading somewhere we've asked to go. And God, some of our lives at times have ended up in such misery, such personal horror stories that we have asked, God, why, why, why? And your only answer has been, that is where we ask to go. But God, some of my friends this morning are asking for a new path. They're asking for a new way, and we realize that can only happen because of what you, Jesus, did on the cross for us. When you died on the cross, you paid the price for eternally for our sins that we should have paid. And now if we simply call out to you and choose to follow you, Jesus, to submit these lives to you, to give you, surrender these lives to you, and say, this life is now yours, it belongs to you, you bought it on the cross we can now begin to pursue you. And God, I pray 
that as we pursue you and your word this week, every day, that little by little, we will begin to realize the path of pursuing you. As we begin to talk to you, what's called prayer every day throughout the day, that we will begin to sense and realize that safe path that leads to you. And God, as we stay involved and serve and love the people around us through Stuttgart Harvest Church, that you will begin to confirm the path in our lives of pursuing you. Make our paths straight for our feet, God. And may we stay on those safe paths with you. In the name of Jesus, our Redeemer, our Rescuer, we pray. Amen.